This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash freebooks for a free downloadable copy in PDF form of this book. Productive Christians in an Age of Guilt Manipulators, A Biblical Response to Ronald J. Sider by David Chilton, published by Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas, copyright 1981. I am reading the revised and expanded edition dedicated to P.T. Bauer, Ford by Gary North. Appendix 5, Religious Repression in Ethiopia by Archbishop Abba Mathias, a speech delivered at a conference on Capitol Hill entitled The Politics of Famine, What Should America Do in Ethiopia? The conference was sponsored by the Ethics and Public Policy Center, Washington, D.C. I thank our Creator Almighty God for affording me this opportunity to speak out about the sufferings of millions of men and women in my country who have been subjected to religious persecution, to the most brutal acts of human rights violations, and to the most devastating famine in Ethiopia's history. I would like to take this opportunity to thank the Ethics and Public Policy Center for their genuine humanitarian concern in taking an active interest in the fate of millions of starving Ethiopians. In preparing this White House briefing, the Ethics and Public Policy Center has made it possible for the voiceless millions of oppressed and starving Ethiopians to be heard in the highest corridors of the seat of the civilized world's power. I would like to express my heartfelt gratitude to the President of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, Dr. Ernest Lefevre, both for participating in this White House briefing and for making it possible. I would also like to thank, from the bottom of my heart, Mr. Robert Royal and the other members of the Ethics and Public Policy Center staff for their efforts in organizing today's magnificent events. It is indeed heartwarming to see so many distinguished Americans as panelists and guest participants in this White House briefing whose attention is focused on the disastrous situation confronting millions of starving Ethiopians. I thank them for their interest, concern, compassion, and yes, for their humanity. I am thankful to Almighty God for allowing me to serve Him and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church since the age of 12. Having forsaken interest in temporal affairs, I not only grew up in a monastery and served the Ethiopian Orthodox Church as its humble servant, but I have also been a monk for 24 years and archbishop for seven years. Accordingly, I have endeavored for many years in the name of God and the name of Ethiopia's believers to respect and honor the task entrusted to me by speaking out against religious persecution against the uprooting of my people's spiritual, cultural, and social life by atheistic totalitarian communism. I shall therefore avail myself of this opportunity to bear witness to what has been inflicted on the Ethiopian peoples during the past ten years and to what now continues to be visited upon them. Ever since the Marxist-Leninist military junta usurped political power in 1974, The Ethiopian Orthodox Church, Ethiopia's Catholic churches, and the various Protestant churches have been subjected to multiple acts of persecution, suppression, 
and injustice. From the very beginning, the Marxist-Leninist military junta and its Soviet mentors saw the Christian churches, and most particularly the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and its mass following, as the main bulwarks against an atheistic Marxist-Leninist ideology they had set out to impose from above on the nation of Ethiopia. Having thus defined the Christian churches as its main enemy, the Marxist-Leninist military junta resolved to destroy them. In order to achieve this sinister and diabolical objective, the atheistic regime adopted and implemented a two-tier strategy. The first, strategy of its, the first part of its strategy called for an open ideological campaign against the cross. The second aspect of its strategy required the pursuit of subtler means for undermining religious beliefs, the authority of the church, and finally, for obliterating the faith. It launched its open ideological campaign against the cross by defining the Ethiopian Orthodox Church as an enemy of the people, as an oppressor and enemy of the revolution. It defined the Catholic and Protestant churches in the country in the same vein, accusing them of being agents of Western imperialism, enemies of the Ethiopian revolution, and of being supporters of secessionist movements. After concerted campaigns of hate propaganda against the churches, it took a self-confident measure against the Christian churches that it believed would prove to be a decisive death blow. By a bureaucratic stroke of the pen, the communist regime confiscated all Christian church properties throughout the nation. This drastic measure by the regime was designed to deprive the churches of the material means of their very existence. The regime believed that, lacking such means of material support for the very basis of their existence, the churches and religious beliefs would evaporate into the atmosphere of hate that its propaganda campaigns were supposed to have created. However, this did not come to pass. The members of the congregation of all the churches have kept the places of their worship and their Christian beliefs alive by supporting the churches through individual contributions. These bold moves by the followers of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, the Catholic and Protestant churches, frustrated the regime's objectives. It is against this background of the Ethiopian Christians' unwavering devotion to their faith that the communist regime undertook to mount a much more sinister, covert operation against Christianity in Ethiopia. <clears throat> In a top-secret anti-religious directive issued in the month of September 1982 to its political cadres, the communist regime succinctly outlined the concrete measures it intended to take to eradicate Christianity and Islam from Ethiopia. In this secret document, the communist regime expresses its frustration with its failed strategy for dealing the death blow to religious beliefs. Let me quote the secret document itself. It states, and I quote, <clears throat> With the nationalization of all land, including church properties, a victory for the people paid with their blood, it was hoped that religious organizations, in particular churches and mosques, would be denied the resources for maintaining a sufficient number of clergy and other religious workers in spreading their counter-revolutionary teachings and that gradually this breeding ground for reaction and exploitation would die off. 
Unfortunately, this has not been borne out by subsequent developments. The loss of their independent sources of income, which only on a limited scale has been mitigated by temporary government grants, has not weakened them. On the contrary, they have been strengthened in their resolve to spread their faith and provide spiritual support to their followers. <coughs> the people themselves have also, through voluntary collection of money, become a source of independent support. Churches and mosques are in increasing measure attracting huge crowds of worshipers, and, in and their anti-revolutionary threat is growing dangerously. In order, therefore, to ensure the revolution's progress towards its final objective, we repeat that there cannot be more urgent and a more urgent task than that of the immediate launching of a campaign to remove the evils of religion. In quotation. Since its issuance of this directive, the communist regime has indulged in many acts of religious persecution and suppression. Among many of its evil deeds against Christianity, I will cite a few examples. 1. A com the communist regime arrested and demoted His Holiness Abuna Theophilus, along with other members of the Synod, and finally abolished the Synod itself. 2. Arrested His Holiness Abuna Theophilus and other three other prominent archbishops in 1976. While the three archbishops served between six and eight years of imprisonment, the whereabout of the patriarch and several other political prisoners still remains unknown. 3. The Archbishop of the High Cote and Butahera province, Abba Samuel, was brutally murdered by the regime's agents. The communist regime later claimed that the archbishop had committed suicide. 4. The Archbishop of Arusi, Abba Lucas, was abducted by the secret police and imprisoned for three years. His grace was accused of subversion for having made attempts to speak out against the regime's red terror campaign directed at its internal oppositions. 5. The communist regime has bombed several churches and religious shrines. It has converted many churches into military barracks. It removed incense and candles from the marketplaces and shops in order to deprive the church and believers of religious services. Priests and monks were left to languish in prison for speaking out against the oppressive rule of the regime. The communist regime also has arbitrarily dismissed from their post 14 archbishops, which he lists all of their names. In 1984, the atheistic communist regime had the audacity to appoint an avowed Marxist-Leninist from its own ranks, a Mr. Ababa Yegzaw, to head the administration of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. The appointment of Mr. Yegzaw to head the administration of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church finalized the control of the church by the communist regime. In direct contravention to canon law, demotions and transfers of archbishops are dictated by Ababa Yegzaw, who directly reports to the communist regime. 
Since the rape of the Orthodox Church by the Communist Junta, 17 archbishops have been removed from their archdiocese. The communist regime had even the audacity to appoint a communist cadre to become the archbishop of the Ethiopian Orthodox Monastery in Jerusalem. This communist cadre, who has posed as Abba Johannes, is now named Archbishop Athanasius. Just in the past five years, the communist regime has transferred five archbishops from the monastery of Jerusalem. It can be clearly seen from these acts that I have described how far the communist regime has gone in demeaning and humiliating the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. The communist regime has not limited these acts of religious persecution to the Orthodox Church alone. It has meted out equally harsh punishment and acts of suppression to Ethiopia's Catholic and Protestant churches. Among the measures it took against the Protestant churches, I will cite a few. 1. The communist regime confiscated one of the most powerful radio stations, Radio Voice of the Gospel. 2. It nationalized the Seventh-day Adventist Mission Hospital. 3. The communist regime has confiscated without any compensation countless properties of the churches of the Protestant faith. 4. It has killed or imprisoned many prominent Protestant clergy and followers, including Cass Gundinwa Tamsa, head of the Protestant McCain E. Jesus. The, the regime has left no stone unturned in its mission of destroying religious beliefs. Its oppressive weight has been thrown against Ethiopia's Jews and Muslims alike. 288 clergy of the Protestant Church are still under detention. 1,500 churches were confiscated and turned into cadre ideology offices. The systematic anti-religious campaign conducted by the communist regime is oppressive to all who believe in God. Civil War and Famine The communist regime's imposition of an alien, atheistic, Marxist-Leninist ideology and its attendant policy of forced collectivization in agriculture has so alienated the Ethiopian peoples that there has been a raging civil war in the country for the last ten years. The regime's mismanagement of the country's resources and affairs, coupled with drought, has brought the country to a position of total collapse. Ethiopia's Famine While the overwhelming devastation of civil war and famine in Ethiopia has been displayed on television for the whole world to see, other African countries are haunted with the specter of similar fate. I would like to take this opportunity to thank from the bottom of my heart the people of the United States, their government, voluntary organizations, and the people, governments, and voluntary organizations of the Western world for their generosity, compassion, humanity, and acts of Christian charity for saving hundreds of thousands of starving lives in my country. If the West, and in particular the United States, had not responded so generously, many additional hundreds of thousands of Ethiopians would have perished from starvation. The communist regime, instead of being thankful and grateful for being rescued from the mess it has created in the country, <coughs> bites the hand that is feeding it. But what can one expect from godless rulers? 
Whatever the propaganda line of the communist regime, the peoples of Ethiopia will never forget their friends in America and the West who have come to their aid in the hours of their direst needs. According to the most reliable sources, 8 million Ethiopians are affected by the present severe famine. According to the Washington Post in 1984, during a nine-month period, 300,000 Ethiopians faced starvation. However, I would like to remind all concerned of the fact that these figures relate to only those who have managed to reach the feeding camps in government-controlled areas. I would be derelict in my duty to all Ethiopians if I did not especially thank the BBC Television Programming Corporation, the American television networks, and the Western media in general for their extraordinary roles in bringing the calamitous famine in Ethiopia to the attention of their viewers. Having thanked them from the bottom of my heart, I would also like to appeal to them to adopt a more comprehensive perspective in their reportage. While they have admirably showed the scope and dimension of the starvation in Ethiopia, they have not addressed the root causes for the famine. What is already obvious to informed observers must be made to be known to the American and Western public. While drought is an act of God, it takes the willful acts of men and women to turn the acts of God into a full-blown calamity. The world must be informed and or reminded that it is the agricultural policies of forced collectivization, coercion, and exploitation of the farmers that have created a disincentive for the production of food and consequently led to starvation. It is the communist regime's mismanagement of the country's resources and its misuse of power that have brought Ethiopia to the present brink of destruction. The communist regime further damaged food production in the country through its policy of forced conscription of the young and able-bodied men by the hundreds of thousands from the country's farms into the militia. The flight of so many hundreds of men into neighboring countries to avoid forced conscription from fighting for fighting in an endless civil war has complicated the problems of neighboring countries who have had to accommodate them. As a result of religious persecution, gross violations of human rights, collectivization of agriculture, devastating famine, and a regime that is bent on imposing a godless alien ideology throughout the country, and as a result of the raging civil wars, two million Ethiopians have fled from their country into neighboring countries as refugees. The conditions of these Ethiopian refugees in the neighboring countries of the Sudan, Kenya, Somalia, and Djibouti are almost similar to those of the starving inside Ethiopia itself. I pray to God and appeal to the freedom-loving people of the West not to forget the pain and agony that is being inflicted on my countrymen and women on a daily basis. May God bless this White House briefing. May God bless all of you. God bless America. 
The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.